Open mine eyes that I may see Glimpses of truth thou hast for me Open mine eyes, illumine me Spirit divine Love of my life, I am crying I am not dying, I am dancing Dancing along in the madness There is no sadness like to invite you to a soul-level encounter. Music has an incredible ability to proclaim the soul's language beyond what mere words can speak. That's what we seek as we invite our guests to share their song of the soul. You will hear the music that has charted the steps of their spiritual journey, that has provided a touchstone in the soul's dark night and sung the heart's awe and joy when come to the light. Over the next hour, you will be a witness and companion to our guest's spiritual path and sacred testimony. Welcome to Song of the Soul. Today for Song of the Soul, we'll be joined from the Pacific Coast by singer-songwriter, guitarist, and pianist David Sorotkin. David additionally has a Master's in Consciousness Studies from John F. Kennedy University in Pleasant Hill, California. So he brings tremendous insight to his songwriting and to this program. David Sorotkin joins us today from the home he shares with his wife and many cacti in Richmond, California. David, I'm so pleased you can join me for Song of the Soul. Thanks, Mark. I'm really glad to be here. How old are you? I see your website here, but I've not met you in person. I'm 31 as of last Friday, May 14th. How did you, your wife, and your cacti celebrate? We went into the city, which is what people around the Bay Area call San Francisco, the city. Went into the city and got Thai food and then went to this great bakery called Sweet Inspiration that has like 30 gourmet cakes. Not particularly bodily healthy, but spiritually healthy place to visit from time to time. I hope it was a great celebration. Congratulations on your 31st year on this earth. You've been making music since what age? When did you start out with this? I started piano lessons when I was six. I initially thought playing the piano would be a lot of fun. I saw people playing and thought, I want to do that, having no idea that I wouldn't be playing expertly in a week and having no idea what practice was, but soon found out and decided I hated it. My mother, however, God bless her, made me stick at it. She said, okay, you wanted to learn this. You got to keep practicing. 
sort of kept me to it as a chore for four years until I finally was able to quit. A few years later, I sort of discovered music that I myself enjoyed. Up to that point, I didn't really listen to music and suddenly thought, you know what, I could play this on the piano. So I started reteaching myself and relearning, played that for several years before then starting guitar and just taking off from there. I've been playing both nonstop pretty much ever since. I started with bands. Uh, in college, I played with a couple of bands, playing guitar and singing. I've more often been the singer who plays piano and guitar, although I have also played drums in a rock band in the Bay Area, which was a lot of fun. Primarily, though, I've done my own stuff. You know, I'll maybe do a few covers, but I most intensely started writing music when I was in high school, right? When I started playing the guitar, I learned a few chords and sort of started writing songs. Just started writing and recording my own songs, which... I like to think I've gotten better since I was 15. Certainly it's a huge part of me, and what I write comes from the deepest parts of me. Music to me is a very sacred thing. It's sort of along the spiritual lines in that you can use words to describe it, but you never can capture it entirely with language. And it sort of speaks for itself. The way I look at it is the music that I write, I really truly feel comes through me from a deeper place. And for me, that's true. You know, my own spiritual path has been growing and deepening in the last 10 or 15 years since I discovered my own connection to spirit. What I'm most drawn toward is mysticism or the direct connection to the divine that is available to any of us at all times. And to me, spiritual is one more word that is just a word that can mean so many different things. But the actual experience of it is one of deep peace, one of deep inner contentment, comfort in one's own skin, a sense of being on your own path, but also a grounding in the middle of, you know, a very chaotic world of the thousand things. The one connection that all of us share universally that is available at all times, that deep grounding sense of peace that's beyond the storm, beyond the ups, beyond the downs. I think that is the true gold you know, we're all searching for that kind of peace, even though many of us don't necessarily realize that. And my music comes from that place in me. That sounds like a good invitation to start listening to some of the music. Do you want to pick one out that'll give us an idea of this spiritual movement you've been finding? Sure. Why don't we start with the title track from my new CD, Not Alone? That's one of the up-tempo, energetic calls to realizing what we're here to be, what we're here to do, that we're all in the same boat, and to be ourselves fully. Let's listen to it and talk about it afterwards. Not Alone, by my guest for today's Song of the Soul, David Sorotkin.
Not Alone. That's the title track on David Srotkin's latest CD, just released this year, Not Alone. David, tell me a little bit about that. At the beginning there, you start out with a little hey ya ya type thing that has some Native American overtones. Is that the intent, or is that just your equivalent of the la-la-la that so many pop singers put in? <laughs> That's a good question. I had not made the Native American connection. It was more of the uh, sort of la-la-la. <laughs> genre. The spirituality that you do connect to, does it have name, character, origin? I mean, do you have a history or what did you start out religiously? 
I was actually raised Christian, pretty liberal Christian. It was UCC. Still, throughout that, you know, having gone to church and knowing all the stories of Christianity, it, nothing really sparked in me until I was in college and I was taking a world religions class. And up to that point, I sort of thought that all the world religions were completely different from each other, and that it was kind of a you pick one and you hope you're right when you die type deal. But as I started to learn about Buddhism and Hinduism and Islam, you know, at their sources, there was a lot of overlap and something in me opened. And what I realized was what I wanted was at the root of these things, at the, the mystical experience itself that the prophets, whether Jesus or Buddha or Muhammad, would speak about. And any mystics along the line, that's what I was drawn toward. I have yet to find an organized religion that calls to me as intensely as that. Many of them have smackings at their core, so to speak, but it almost feels to me like a divine, beautiful pill that has fallen on the floor and picked up some gunk and some dirt. And the option is you either take it as this or you don't take it at all. But I found inside through many spiritual sources, whether A Course in Miracles, whether you know Eckhart Tolle, Christian mystics, uh, you name it, that direct connection myself, and that is what is so meaningful. I don't need the extra dogma and the trappings. So in a sense of an unrooted connection, my sense of rooting is deeply in sort of spirit itself, recognizing the forms of this life and trying to be as much in the world and fully engaged, but not of it, only trying to be who I ultimately am inside, because that's the only thing I can really be sure of. And the ironic thing is I'm not even really sure what it is, <laughs> to put language on it and, de and define it. Language does often fail us for expressing the most wonderful things, and that doesn't mean we stop trying to use language to express those things, but we know that they're a pale reflection of the real thing. So, for instance, we can say love, 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 but there's nothing like feeling being in the midst of love, 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 and the words are still hollow reflections. In that song, Not Alone, one of the main lines that you repeat there is wishing for something to come and save you from the emptiness inside, at least one time you say it that way. Did you find that? Did you experience that? Did you have the emptiness inside and realize you had to go looking? Did you have a dark night of the soul type experience or otherwise? Yeah, although I wouldn't have realized it at the time. For a number of years growing up through high school, starting through college, constantly trying to find myself through things, through status, you know. You know, I want to get a rock band going, so I worked hard and got a rock band going. But I wasn't happy because now the next step is we have to get some shows booked. So I worked really hard and then we got some shows booked. But then I wasn't happy because, no, now we need to get some press. So I worked really hard to get some press. We got some articles, but I wasn't happy then because now we needed more fans and more following. Constantly thinking that contentment is ultimately in another place than right here. Even if you spend a lot of time working to get to the place that you think will bring you happiness, once you get there, you're not really happy because now it's somewhere else. And I think many of us, to a degree, are not living in the present in that sense. Whether we're waiting for more money to come and save us, or we're waiting for the right person to come and save us, or you know, a deity to come save us. In my graduate studies at John F. Kennedy University, in a world religions class there, I learned something really interesting that in the Bible, Jesus uses the word metanoia, which has been translated into repent. You know, you must repent, repent, that's the way to salvation. But a better translation of it, I learned, is self-transformation. So it's not that you need 
someone to come and save you. It's the realization that, hey, you can do it yourself. It's almost as if the previous way of looking at it, we see ourselves as maybe poor, helpless footballs needing you know, God to come punt us to salvation. When in fact what Jesus was actually saying was, take a look, you have legs. And that is the most profound transformative realization I can find because it puts the spiritual connection directly in your own hands in your own unique way. Like driving a car with the actual ability to sort of see out the windshield rather than going blindly on guessing. I've wondered for a lot of people who strongly value Christian scriptures, what they do with that phrase that when Jesus tells you that the kingdom of God is within you, maybe they kind of gloss over it because that makes the kingdom of God something very different than what popular portrayals of it are. Oh, I absolutely agree with you. I think it has less to do with what's in the scriptures and much more to do with the quality of awareness that a person brings to it. In fact, reading A Course in Miracles changed my view of Christianity by basically taking some Christian passages in the Bible and saying, you know, it's taught this way, but this is what it really means, which literally turns it on its head. You know, for instance, Wayne Dyer, he's, he's often said, don't be Christian, be Christ-like, or don't be Buddhist, be Buddha-like, that so many people who practice, in quote, Christianity are not, in fact, reflecting the teachings of Christ, as you say. And that the true teachings of Christ are literally like a pile of gold that, as taught by many current branches of Christianity, looks at it like a paperweight. Like, well, no, I have a paperweight. And if you try to say, no, but look at what it really is. Don't you see that how valuable this is? Nope, not listening. It's a paperweight. And I think it ultimately has to do with the quality of awareness someone brings to it. Well, I think some of our listeners, their attention is being drawn to the fact now that you have a lot of other music to share, and we've only shared one song so far. Do you want to delve into a second one? Yeah, let's go to Gotta Get Away. That's also in my new album, and it's another sort of up-tempo song about finding your path. Maybe things have been working for a while, and then now they aren't. You know you need to move on in your life, but you don't quite know where to go, and you just have to follow your heart, trust your path, and trust that what you need will be there for you. As you were speaking earlier, David, you were talking about how you had goals, and you know whether it's forming a rock band or getting press or whatever, you would always go to that other spot, and you'd get there, and you find out that isn't the answer. And what I wanted to say is, you know, that's right. What we really need to do is just to get here. We need to become present. And the name of this song is Gotta Get Away. Obviously, there's a different meaning to the awayness there. I mean, could this song also have been called Gotta Get Here? <laughs> that's a good question. Yeah, I think it very easily could be Gotta Get Here. I think it was Gotta Get Away because that's what sort of rang off my tongue as I was singing it. And I think in this case, Gotta Get Away sort of musically worked. But I think you're right. From a meaning perspective of the song, it could easily also be, you know, Gotta Get Here. Sometimes I feel like I'm going round The same old circles and the same old ground But I know that I am working right And that's okay Yeah I know these people who are finding lives And all the places that they realize
music from David Sorotkin. The song is Gotta Get Away, and as we noted before, it could be Gotta Get Here. I think back in 2006, you received award recognition from, I think it's Integrative Spirituality. Is that right? Do I remember correctly? Who or what is that group? That's a group, I think, that's based here in the San Francisco Bay Area that tries to take a very integral approach to spirituality, one that's open to the truths of all groups rather than going in one camp and saying, well, we're right, another is wrong, trying to look for the universals. So it was a real honor when they chose me as musical artist of the quarter, recognizing my music in such a way. It was such a wonderful honor. Well, let's share some more of that music. What would be number three on your Song of the Soul list? Let's go to the song, What We Make. The first two songs we heard are examples of my idea of the best songs are those which can sound good with just one instrument and one voice, but can also sound good padded, you know, the full treatment, the drums, the bass, the multiple layers, the keyboards, the vocals. This next song is one that is more in line with very intimate, pulled back, just piano, just vocals, cello, and it's probably one of the most intimate songs I've written, and it's probably one of my favorites. The song is What We Make. It's by my Song of the Soul guest here today, David Sorotkin. See your home 
Just in love, wait no longer for meanings. What we make for ourselves, though our attention is all around, we live without a sound in the world. Shouting no、oh、so loud. Try to wrap around whatever real thing we've known. Live your life for another. He'll see your home. Rest in love. Wait no longer for. Very few answers about the way. No matter what they say, they're only words to make you stay.
That was David Zaratkin's song, What We Make. And David, I do love the cello in there. Who's the cellist? Is that you too? No, that's a good friend of mine, Myra Joy, who's been playing with me for years. And yeah, I love her cello as well too. Uh, she plays on a few, I think four songs on this album. Utterly beautiful. I'm so glad to have had her play on my album. I find that different instruments... I reach in and grab different parts of my heart or my soul. Uh, the cello, with its deep thrumming noise, I think it takes me to the roots, I think. Some other instruments, you know, kind of lift you up to the heights, but I have a feeling the cello is, is a spiritual root instrument. Yeah, it definitely has a very grounding quality, which I found very fitting for the song that we just heard, What We Make which, like I said, it's very intimate for me in the sense that it's me trying to interact deeply with my spirituality, with a sense of spirituality, a sense of connecting, a sense of, you know, beyond all the chaos, beyond all the confusion, you know, a very simple feeling of connection, a simple feeling of being and supportedness, uh, in this case found through offering service to another, you know, thinking of giving rather than getting. And the simple, sweet quality of being you can find through putting your attention in that way. And the cello is just very supportive of that. It sort of envelops you. Sometimes when you talk about dedication to another person or that deep love connection to another person, our society so often converts that into the romantic love category. Is that what you're talking about there or not what you're talking about there? What kind of love and devotion are you expressing in that song? You know, it could go either way. For me, it's sort of the general energy of it, whether it's to your partner, whether it's just an energy you bring to the world, to anybody you interact with, you know, maybe specifically another or, or maybe not, maybe just another in general. And so that's where I specifically wrote it from, but it could be felt in any number of ways. Your spiritual outlook, David, does it include an element that it has to connect outward to community or is your spiritual fullness, could you as well express it sitting in the proverbial cave up on the mountain, separated from all other human discourse? Would that be a spiritual path that would work for you too? I think it could be either. I think the spiritual truth is the same regardless of where we are, where we put ourselves. I think it can be easier to find that spiritual awakening in you know, a more cave, monastery setting. However, I think our true paths are to interact with the world, but bringing that quality of attention, that quality of awareness into the world, which is so desperately in need of a sense of connection, a sense of depth, a sense of meaning. You know, ours is a society with such high levels of affluence, but yet also such high levels of depression. I mean, there's sort of a disconnect there. We're so constantly going for stuff and more stuff and this thing and that thing. The quality of attention that you can find from spiritual awakening is so desperately needed to be brought into the world. And I think the real challenge is how do you, is not so much to have the spiritual awakening, but how do you then maintain it and then manifest it in the world? So I think that, you know, while we can experience spiritual awakening and have it be in a deeply rich experience, whether we're alone in a cave or in the world, I think the highest manifestation and calling is to then bring that into the world and manifest it in the world. And for me, music is one way that I do that. Is your seeking for spiritual centeredness 
which I think, to some degree at least, means that you have to kind of let go of some of the tides that the swirling American culture around us wants to pull you in. Is that helped or hindered by living in the orbit of San Francisco, a very populous and busy area? Does that help or hurt your spiritual centeredness? Me personally, I, I love being near all the culture, but I live in the Richmond Hills. I live sort of up, up on a hill where it's pretty quiet, a lot of beautiful nature around. So that's sort of my sanctuary. However, I love the ability to be in the culture. I think the goal is to not get lost in it, to find your spiritual centeredness, which will remain utterly the same, whether you're in culture or whether you're alone. So if you can come from that place of spiritual centeredness and enjoy things, enjoy the world, play with it, as Eckhart Tolle would say, engage in the world of form, and if you start to feel overwhelmed, if I start to feel a bit overwhelmed and too much stuff, too much information, going back to that place of sanctuary where I can reconnect to that as my main sense so that I can then re-engage with the world. Truthfully, the world is a pretty exciting place. And I think, spiritually speaking, there's nothing wrong with them. In fact, they can greatly enhance the quality of one's experience if a person is coming from a fundamental perspective of spiritual centeredness. Without that grounding, yes, I think the busyness and constant constancy of our society can be very diluting and keeping your mind always just off the deepest point. You know, instead of going inward, there's always something else to keep you looking elsewhere. And music is a pretty good tool. It can distract you, certainly, but it can also help you slow down and go within. And you've got a lot of good music to that effect. Do you want to share another one with us? Sure, thank you. Um, let's do another new song, Glowing Moon, which is similar instrumentation to the previous song, What We Make. And this song probably is my most intimate song. It's based off of a piano tune that I heard, I've heard my aunt play on the piano that she had written. One night a few years ago, I was just sort of playing the piano. It was the evening. I didn't have a whole lot of light on. It was been playing for a while enough to sort of pull me into sort of a deeper place, almost... I wouldn't say sleep state, but I wasn't fully, fully, fully alert and conscious. Sort of letting the music guide me, and I suddenly remembered this song. But I couldn't remember all of it. I just remembered the, the verse part. And I just started sort of, instead of playing it all on the piano, playing the chords and then vocally finding the notes and then finding some words that naturally wanted to appear there, then sort of creating my own melody for the chorus. It's one of my favorite songs. And again, Myra played cello on this, and it's I absolutely love what she did with it. The song is called Glowing Moon. Here by the glowing of the fire moon I can see There's something in your eyes, let it be You have seen me for the one Cause you are my love and I have found your heart 
song is a deep journey in itself. It's called Glowing Moon. It's by David Zorotkin. David, the voices in there, who are the voices? It sounds like there's maybe two, three, maybe more voices. One of them goes so high. Can your voice really go that high? <laughs> uh, yeah, I actually did all of the vocals on this album. So in, in this song, I think there are just two vocal parts, which is fairly scant compared to some of the others. I've had six, seven, eight, nine vocals at one time. One of the lines, I guess it captures some of the places I've been, is something to the effect of about finding your heart to be the softest place I've ever been. Is that for a person or is that for uh, like the ultimate divine around us? Is uh, there a person who helped you have that soft landing? You know, I wrote that during a period of, when I, uh, of a couple of years when I was single and looking for my partner. And it was just that longing for a love so pure and so sweet that you experience that connection of it's the softest place to feel that when you, when you really can be deeply intimate with the person who resonates with you, you experience something, I think, very divine. And it's very comforting and very gentle and very sweet. You did say, David, that you performed in a rock band. You had your rock band back in high school or something like that. When did you leave off that and go to your independent career? It's when I moved out to California in 2001. I just graduated from uh, Western Michigan University with a degree in English, and I'd moved out to California to get a master's in consciousness studies from JFK. 
And I didn't have a band at that point, so I just kept writing songs on the guitar, on the piano. Didn't meet a whole lot of musicians that I clicked with. I was looking for musicians and would play with a lot, but didn't quite find the resonance. So I just sort of did my own thing. I'd go perform at open mics. I'd actually then start booking a few shows of just me on the guitar and, and singing. And eventually I've met a couple other people like Myra, the cellist. A friend of mine, Bernard, who plays bass, has performed with me live quite a bit. Uh, but the focus has pretty much been on my own stuff ever since. I think because that's what calls to me the most. Uh, we should mention that you do have a website, of course. DavidSorotkin.com is not... Sorotkin is probably not a word that everybody knows how to spell. So if you're listening and you want to find him, you can come by on my site, northernspiritradio.org, where all of my programs are available also. My home radio station is WHYSLP, Eau Claire, Wisconsin. But, of course, there are stations across the nation carrying the show. You can always find them via iTunes and other places as well. But David Zarotkin has a link on my site as of today. Please check it out if you want to find a way to his music. Of course, you're on iTunes, David. Other places, or should they come directly via davidsrotkin.com? Where should they find you? For downloads, you know, I'm on iTunes. Buying CDs, I'm on CD Baby. I'm also basically on my own site. I'm not distributed in stores, so I'd have to be, you, know, you have to find my album online. I recommend going through my site. I've worked very hard to put it up and make it look pretty and effective, <laughs> um, and that's probably the easiest way to find me. Well, let's go on to some more of your music, David. What would you care to share with our listeners today? Why don't we go back to my first album from 2005? The album is called None But This Time, and let's play the title track from it, None But This Time. I like that turn of phrase, None But This Time. It's one of those phrases that doesn't automatically tell you what it's saying. You sort of have to stop and think about it. And for me, that's another way of saying that ultimately there's nothing more than this eternal present moment, none but this time. And the song is one that, for me, reflects another deeper perspective. One of the lines in it toward the beginning I really like, I bring to you a sense of peace. I bring to you all that I need. You know, again, the perspective of offering to somebody what you yourself need and want as a way to both experience this deeper thing. And then the, a line shortly after of that there's nothing real I could ever take or keep. Many of us are so often grasping for something, some identity, some you know, career that I say, well, this is me, this is my career, or this is my collection of guitars, or my collection of houses, or my, my this and my that. You know, this is real, right? But that ultimately, from the spiritual perspective, anything that is changing is by definition not eternal. And you can't hang on to any of it. I mean, go ahead and try. I bring to you all that I need You've been my lover and I your thief But there's nothing real I could ever take or keep I know that now, oh, oh Lord, and what I'm looking for Please help me find another way so I can face another
change the past, make up for yesterday. I know that now, oh Lord, and what I'm looking for. Well, I see you smiling there, dressed up with flowers in her hair. Oh, not by this time. None But This Time by David Sorotkin. And David, when I first heard that song, I decided it was one of those meaning of life songs. You wrote that, You, I mean, at least it was on your CD back in 2005, and now we're in 2010. So have you found the meaning of life yet? I think the meaning of life is to continually live in a way in which you're searching for the meaning of life in a lived way, but realizing that you're probably never going to realize it with your head. That's where I am now. There's a great line by uh, Adyashanti, who's a Buddhist Zen teacher out here who I really love. You are an incredible mystery that you will never understand. To be this mystery consciously is the greatest joy. That's what I've found now as, as my sense of meaning, to continually engage with searching for that meaning and to try and live the meaning that I can feel, but also realizing that we're in a deeply incredible mystery that is really beyond understanding, I believe. I identify as a mystic, one who seeks spiritual truth anywhere and everywhere, whether it's Buddhism, Christianity, Hinduism, or just the guy down the street who I interact with for five minutes. I think we've got just a couple minutes of time left. I think we need some more music to finish this off. What would be your ultimate song here for your Song of the Soul, David? Let's end with the last track on my first album, None But This Time. It's called Into the Night Sky, and it's one of the few instrumentals that I've written. It's a song that I wrote when I was probably 20 and was still living in Michigan. And every summer we would go up to this cottage up north in Michigan on a lake, no lights outside. And so at night, the sky would be so vividly beautiful. And I was just you know, leaning out there, leaning on a swing one night, playing my guitar, and I came upon this sort of guitar riff that was really engaging to me. It really pulled me in. And the song came out of that place where, where you're falling asleep and you're not quite asleep, but you're also not entirely awake and looking up at the stars.
beautiful song. As I was sitting with the music, a number of words hit me at various points along the way. Questing was one of them. Marveling. Making healthy heart progress. All those things popped into my mind as I was sitting with that. So thank you for that gift, David. Oh, thank you, Mark. That's beautiful to say. Thank you. The song, again, was Into the Night Sky by David Sorotkin. He's been sharing with us today his Song of the Soul. Reminder to folks listening, you can find David's music and a lot about him via his website, davidsrotkin.com. And in case you're challenged in spelling, as I am, you can come via Northern Spirit Radio. Dot O-R-G. And on my site, I have a link to David. So, David, again, thanks so much for the deep music, for the deep thoughts, and for sharing your music here today with us for Song of the Soul. Thanks so much for having me on, Mark. This has been great. Today's Song of the Soul guest was David Sorotkin, joining us from Richmond, California. The theme music for Song of the Soul is by Chris Williamson, and it's called Song of the Soul. My name is Mark Helpsmeet, and this is a Northern Spirit Radio production. You can listen to this program again, track down the list of songs included, and a whole lot more on my website, northernspiritradio.org. And I invite you to share your Song of the Soul with my listeners. Just contact me via my website. And please, join me weekly for Song of the Soul. You can be happy. Sing out a song